here we go. You are listening to Only the Important Stuff, and I am your host, Jeff Heinrich. It is Monday, October 16th, 2023. Hope everybody's having a great day and uh, just coming off an awesome weekend. Fall is in the air. Everybody is living their best life. On today's episode of Only the Important Stuff, I've got an old acquaintance from college, a good friend, uh, really just an all-around badass human being. Um, she is kicking ass in the professional world as a you know, corporate speaker, workplace performance coach, author, just all-around good human who pushes people to their limits and gets results. Um, it was a super fun conversation just hearing about her journey from from Augustana to where she's at today and, you know, hearing how her and her husband are doing, who I went to school with. Super fun talking to Miss Krista Ryan. She's just absolutely killing it and, you know, a wealth of knowledge and a good mindset to attack life and to overcome problems. Really enjoyed the conversation that we had. A couple housekeeping notes before we get into that interview, because or conversation, I should call it, because I'm not interviewing anybody. Um... I'm not sure I'm going to post an episode next week. If you're a diehard listener to only the important stuff, I appreciate that. Um, just have some things going on. Family and I are taking a little bit of a trip, and so might take a week off on this unless, I don't know, a Hail Mary comes through last second. We'll see. But, yeah, in all likelihood, next week there will not be an episode of only the important stuff. Just want to get that out of the way. Sorry to disappoint anybody, but uh, if you're really dying to listen to myself for some reason <laughs> a i appreciate it b feel free to check out back to even uh, that is a podcast i host with uh, a good buddy ben senf on wednesdays and fridays we drop episodes talking sports whatever was trending in the world that week sharing our opinions and you know cracking jokes with each other and talking shit to each other so yeah feel free to jump into that if you would if you'd like wednesdays fridays good stuff all right without further ado uh please 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 enjoy the conversation that i had with mrs krista ryan here we go welcome to the podcast mrs krista ryan how are you doing I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. And and Jeff, thanks for reaching out and asking me to be on this. Like for, for one, I'm pumped to uh, catch up with you. And for two, I am honored that you just want to talk with me and hear my story and, and let me share it with your audience. Absolutely. I mean, it, obviously like I've kept up with your life somewhat, uh, through social media, right? Like we all share, you know, whatever the heck we're going to share or whatever, but I've seen yeah. kind of like your journey and, you know, getting married to Chris and kids and this transformation into kind of, uh, your world that you're in now. And I don't want to like butcher it or anything. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to kind of like introduce yourself, introduce yourself to the audience. Obviously we know each other from Augustana, but yeah, who is, who is Krista Ryan and what are you up to now and we'll then rewind and figure out how the heck you got there all right we're, we're dancing today that's what we're doing yes uh who is krista ryan uh the title my, my profession is i'm a workplace performance coach 
uh, that's just a lot of words. And honestly, it always makes me laugh because my kids, I've got three kiddos. Whenever people ask like, what is it that your mom does? They still butcher it. They have no idea. They're like, she talks. Sure. I don't know. She just talks. You know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so workplace performance coach. What that means is I'm like a professional coach for corporations, companies, organizations, yeah mainly leadership teams. So I'm hired, I go in and do facilitations and workshops. Um, What that turned into is speaking. So what my world right now is a lot of keynote speaking. I'm getting flown out to different organizations doing a lot of keynotes. Um, So just a lot of, I'm using my communications major from Augie. Let's just be honest. You know, I never even knew what I was going to do with it, but it is live and in action. That's awesome. That's awesome. (laughs) First off, I did. So I also majored in communications. Didn't realize you did as well. Was that like your, I don't know what the heck I'm going to do with my life. Uh, I'm going to pick this or were you planning on using that for something in the future? Well, Probably a little bit of both, to be yeah, honest, because right. I, I'm extreme. I'm a talkative person. Like yeah. I'm a, I'm a talker. I've sure. always been that way. I'm not shy to have conversations with anyone. And I dare you to sit next to me on a flight. Like I'm going to talk to you the entire way. And if you sure. put your earbuds or, you know, your headphones on, I take that as a challenge and I'm going to make you talk to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm the talker. So I kind of knew I wanted to do something with communication and like learn more about it so I could help use it in the workplace. But I also had no idea what that was going to look like. Of course, for me in college, my easy go-to was I'm going to go into journalism. I'm going to become like going to broadcasting journalism. I worked at the radio station for a while in Sioux Falls. And then I worked at the news station in Sioux Falls. Well, when I say worked, it interned and I quickly (laughs) realized those hours are not for me. Like waking up at three to be at the station at four, like absolutely not. (laughs) That is not not in my wheelhouse. It's a grind. It's a grind. It's a, it's it's a thankless grind. You know, they're, it's a thankless job. So I found out real fast and hard. That's not what I wanted to do. So okay. I, for real, just graduated with this communications major with a big old question mark over my head. Like, how am I going to use this? I have no idea. Yeah. And where I'm at today, Jeff, to be honest with you, it was not ever a dream. I never had this in my, like, my forward plan. I never sure. envisioned, like, oh, I'm going to be a speaker and fly all over the U.S. and speak to, our, you know, audiences. That was never a game plan. But I, I truly believe if you just lean in and have fun with what you're doing, things just kind of unfold for sure. you and, and things just turn out the way that they're supposed to. So that's kind of how I got to where I'm at. I love that. I love that. So <clears throat> rewinding, you, yeah. you go to Augie, right? And, you know, w- were there other options on the table for you when you were looking at college or was that kind of like, that's where I want to no. go? No, no other options to be okay. honest. I decided to go to Augie about two months before school started. And in my immature brain, my plan was to move to Hawaii, to move to Maui where my family lives and like become a scuba diving instructor and scuba dive like every day of my life. That was my plan. It's a good plan. And then reality (laughs) hit and I realized I have no money. I have a high school education 
And living in Maui is really freaking expensive. Mm -hmm. Like if I want to live with my grandparents for the rest of my life, maybe I could make this work. Sure. So it kind of just was an immature dream that I didn't, I wasn't really thinking about it at at the reality piece. Mm -hmm. So then I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to Augustana. And Augustana, please understand, it wasn't like a default. It was a school that my whole family went to. My parents are grads. My aunts and uncles are grads. So they're all alums. So I was just like... It was the only school I toured and I got accepted to. Yeah. <laughs> the only one I applied to. Perfect. So then I'm like, okay, I'm going to go. Okay. Okay. And so you got yeah. there. Like, was it all, was, was your college experience positive? I mean, I'm assuming it was oh positive, gosh, right? Yes. Like, yes. um, I've talked to a bunch of people from Augie and I think it's, it's this weird mix that you, cause as an athlete, um, and someone who then like left the area. Yeah. It, the school struggles to resonate with people outside of it. Right. Like obviously like you have to, you just kind of have to like earn your way through, right. Like there's no name recognition outside of the Midwest, but yeah. I know like growing, growing up there, cause we all did. Um, yep. it was super valuable, like to be in that small community and kind of feel almost insulated from the rest of the world, even though you were in a city, you know, like, I, I never felt like we were in Sioux Falls. I felt like we were at Augustana. You know the I mean? whole time. And it was just a safe bubble yeah. that was mixed with like glitter and fun and beverages and chaos and laughter. Yes. But it was a safe bubble. Like, and I think that that's like one of my core memories of my time at Augie is just how many connections with people that were so unlike me. You know, I'm not yeah. an athlete, which right. is very ironic because one of the companies I work for is Russell Wilson, who's a, sure. it, it's an athletic sports performance company. Yeah. And I'm one of the few that are not ex professional athletes that work for them. Like, and they, here's, here's me being real, Jeff, you'll get a giggle on this. When they were looking at bringing me in as a speaker for them, because I have the corporate background yeah, and they have more of the sports background. So they're, you know, weaving that piece in. So they were talking to me about it. And when they were like kind of interviews slash talking to me, I told them about Augustana and I told them about meeting Chris and that he was a football player. And they asked me, what position did your husband play in football? No idea. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I'm like, he was, I have no, he was number 27. Does that help? <laughs> like, he, he, was a, he was a defensive back, right? Yes. Yes. And I, I had no idea. I'm like, I'll ask him when he gets home tonight. I have no clue. <laughs> and they all started laughing so hard. They're like, okay, maybe you're exactly what we're looking for because you actually are not so woven into the sports realm that that's what's attractive to you. It's just more yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. So, but the connections made there were so awesome. Like, you know, you, you were on the baseball team and I had so many of you that I was connected with on the baseball team, on the football team, yeah. wrestling. Like it was just so the track. We're all as one. And I, mm. I absolutely loved that part of it. Yeah. You would, you'd be able to run into anybody on any given Friday or Saturday night. Um, yes. especially when we were younger. And then when we got older, we all only ever went to like two or three bars. So like, yeah. it was, it was all, you, you know, it was just the same circle, right? Like people weren't itching yeah. to get out, which I, I, I appreciated Right. Like we all left yeah. home, but then nobody was trying to run away from like the campus. Like we, we were taking it all in and it was such yeah. a cool, cause you're right. You, you met some of the coolest people and that's what college is for, right? Like breaking you out of your shell and 
introducing you to other walks of life and you know yeah I didn't just hang out with baseball players I joined a band right like there's tons of different random things you could get into so yeah like I I loved my time there personally so I was just curious like how your I loved it too I absolutely loved it I'm a big fan of just trying the college experience you know like you don't Mm -hmm. have to do it but I think there's such value in giving it a shot Mm -hmm. um because it really does get you to start exploring who you are as an individual because you have to put yourself out there you have to start interacting with people that are so unlike you, Mm -hmm. but that is part of the beauty. And that's honestly part of my biggest life lesson. Even today is even though we all have different stories and we're all completely different human beings, we are more alike than different, no matter what we're doing, what we look like, what we play, what we, you know, work with, whatever. Mm -hmm. We're, we're so much more alike than we are different. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Lord knows I did not go there for the education. I got one. Um, but my education (laughs) was off the, off the, out of the classroom and off of the field and just interacting with people. Me too. Right? Me too. It was an extra bonus that we came out yeah. with some smart. Oh, like, shit. oh, hey. Here's a degree. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. I graduated and I did okay. Yeah. Like I had this important place. The profs were amazing and I never knew that existed. You know, <clears throat> I wasn't a I wasn't a high school student that reached out for support from my from my educators. Yeah. And I did in college. I reached out and said, hey, waving the flag here, not doing so great in Spanish, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, sure. help me out. Now I'm going to own my part of that. I showed up to the Spanish final heavily boozed up yep. and I failed it and had to take summer school and go back. So I learned that hard life lesson, oh. but I don't regret it. I did that. You, have, you, have, you have to live. You have yeah. to learn. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we've all, we all did that at one point yeah. in our academic careers. Um, yeah. yeah. And you know, <laughs> It sounds fun to wear a sombrero and have cocktails before you take a final, but yeah. in reality, it maybe doesn't work out the best. <laughs> no, 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 it does not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so you graduate. Yeah. Um, you talk about a gap year. Was that pre or post college in Maui? The gap year was pre college. No, oh. no, no. I'm sorry. The gap year for Chris and I was after he graduated from Augie. Okay. He actually missed his. I'm doing air quotes. Yeah. Graduation because okay. he was redshirted, so he had an extra semester. Yep. So when he officially graduated, he and I had moved out to Maui to work. So he and I, this is pre getting engaged. Yeah. This was really the moment that we were like, okay, so we made it through college together as a couple, but do we actually want to do this life thing together? Okay. Or not? So we decided like the best way to figure this out is to go somewhere where we know nobody sure. and we have to get jobs and live together and figure out like, do I like sharing space with you or not? Yeah. You know, Cause then we, we had no other support system around us to see, you know, to bounce things off. It was right. just us. So we did that. And that was honestly probably one of my favorite chapters of my life. It was so much fun because we were young we were stupid. Mm-hmm. We had so much fun. Um, yeah. and you then were... we ended up getting engaged and then we quickly moved back to the mainland because Maui is so expensive and we were so broke Sure. and I knew I couldn't work at cheeseburger in paradise forever. And he didn't want to work at Ace Hardware forever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was fun because those were our day jobs. And then we would just have a ball at night and yeah. do what, what 21 year olds want to do. Yeah. You know, of course. So, so it was a blast. How quickly did you 
Because that's an interesting experiment to kind of say, hey, let's see if this is going to work. Let's see if this sticks. Yeah. yeah. How quickly did did that, did you realize that it stuck? Um, and was it different for each of you? Did like you realize right away and then he took longer or vice versa? You know, I don't know. I've never asked him that question, but when he gets home tonight, no, I am. We're going to have this deep conversation. Yes. So thank you. Yes. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> I like, I've never even thought about it, Jeff. I think honestly, it was, uh, it was just kind of a reality check that we really didn't need that experience because nothing changed when we were out there. Okay. He was still like legit. My best friend, we still had so yeah. much fun together. We didn't get closer because we were already super close. Sure. You know, that's awesome. And I think it just kind of, I think it solidified like, okay, we kind of got this. We can, we can do this, this whole marriage thing. You know, that yeah. kind of scared the hell out of me growing up. I was like, I don't know if I want to lock in with one person for the rest of my life. Yeah. Like that sounds like a commitment and I don't know if I want to do that. Yeah. But then through that whole experience, it was just kind of like this, this doesn't feel scary. It, sure. it didn't feel scary and it didn't feel like anything changed. Had it thinking back on it, if it had felt like, oh, we're so connected here and we're so, that might've been a red flag yeah. or made me nervous because then when you move home, now you're like in the real world yeah. <laughs> and have to figure things out. So yeah, looking back, I think, I think it, because nothing really changed and we just still remained close and, and kind of, um, grounded. I think that just kind of solidified like, Hey, I think I can do this. Yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, you're absolutely right. Yeah. You go, you go there and you're like, oh, wow this is what it should be like. <laughs> well, we can't yeah, stay here like forever. A, yeah. If you think you're on your honeymoon and that's going to be marriage for the rest of your life, yeah. you are full of shit. Correct. It's so false. Like Correct. it's a roller coaster ride of ups and downs and twists and turns and yeah. good and bad. And it's messy, but it's a beautiful mess. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So you move home, you get married. <laughs> yep. How long before kids come and what is the next chapter for you and Chris? Yeah, you know, I, we didn't wait, wait very long, to be honest. I think kiddo number one, oh, how old was I? Let's see, 24, Whoa. probably. I was. We were probably the first of our friends that wow. we even knew that had kids. We sure. were done having all three at age 30. We were done having kiddos. Nice. So, so we've got 17, 15, 13-year-olds right now, and they're awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we didn't, we didn't drag our feet. We, we had, you know, kids pretty quick. Sure. Um, and then we lived in Des Moines. So we both went back and worked at Wells Fargo. So he always knew he wanted to go into finance. Okay. You know, he had a business account or accounting degree. So business was on in his mindset and we moved to West Des Moines and the hub for Wells Fargo financials there. Mm -hmm. So it was like just one of the biggest employers. So I ended up working at a different department but through them as well okay well how that played out is my father my dad he owned a community bank here in minnesota okay so while we were working there he called and i remember mason was three months old so our son was three months old okay and he's like you know like if you both are interested in the financial world would you consider coming back and running the family bank, the family business? And me in my mind, I'm like, heck no, I'm not going back to Byron, Minnesota, where I grew up, a town of 3000. Everyone yeah. knows me. I couldn't wait. I was the high schooler. That's like, I'm moving to California and I'm never looking back. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Peace <laughs> out. Know? So 
we decided to give it a shot, give it like a three-year plan, see if it's something that sticks or not. I was very concerned about him moving back and like not feeling welcome or not feeling comfortable or at home in, in my hometown. Yeah. And it pisses me off. He, you know, my husband, so this will totally make sense to you. We get back here and he like flips the whole script and becomes like the VIP of the town. You know, everyone knows Chris Ryan and they just loves Chris Ryan. And who's Krista? Oh, that's Chris Ryan's wife. You know, <laughs> I grew up here because he's just such a social butterfly and so full of life and energy. That's so everyone awesome. was like, oh, Chris Ryan, Chris Ryan. And that's his wife. Like, <laughs> so I'm like, cool. okay. Yeah. So he got, he got real comfortable real fast. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Cause that's a big leap. Right. Um, yeah. I know I, you know, my wife's from Kentucky, right? So, okay. you know, I brought her or asked her, I shouldn't say brought her like she had, yeah, come on, babe. Um, I asked her, I was like, Hey, you know, we got an opportunity back in Minnesota. You want to come? And you know, it was tough moving to where I was yeah. from, right? Because all of my friends, all of my networks there and hers wasn't. So it was, um, at first, you know, she's it without me, she didn't have anybody and it took a while to assimilate up here. I mean, you know how it is in Minnesota, right? Oh, yeah. not from here oh, yeah. it takes a minute to break through. And Absolutely. yeah, so that was tough. So, I mean, I like to think, I think guys are a little different. We're, we're a little easier to kind of like you like beer you like sports all right here we go yeah. right it's a little yeah. easier to kind of be friends women but... women kind of make you prove your place yeah yeah, yeah. so that's a yeah. <clears throat> yeah it's an interesting you know leap that he was able to make and it's funny that <laughs> he's now the town social butterfly <laughs> it totally is i'm just like yes i'm i'm krista Born and raised in this town, but I am the wife of Chris Ryan. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. yeah, but so that's that's how we ended up back here. Um, okay. So, like, fast forward, you know, my parents both retired, sold mm -hmm. the business to my husband and I, and when I started working there, so that was an interesting dynamic working in the family business with an office next to my husband. Right. So we were a couple like rooms yeah. down. Yeah. It worked out fine. Okay. But I, I always felt like it wasn't my place. It definitely was his place, but working in a bank and, and being in the financial world, that just wasn't my place. Even oh. though I grew up with a family, sure. you know, bank, but it just wasn't, it wasn't quite feeling as connected. So my role, which I was using my communications degree then, was the HR director. So okay. I was the human resources director, which what I was doing, Jeff, is having conversations with our staff on the daily about their careers and their growth and, you know, performance and all of the HR staff. Hiring, interviewing, COVID mm -hmm. was freaking crazy doing HR stuff through that. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so in 2016, I remember walking into his office and just saying, I think what I'm doing with our staff is called coaching. Now, please keep in mind this coaching word in the Midwest, at, at least in 2015 and 16, was very woo-woo. It was like, oh, you're a life coach. You're, you go out and hug trees and hug each other and do meditation sure. and say, you know, burn candles. And yeah. and that it's a true, you know, like that's a lot of what people think coaching is or was. Yep. But I, but I told him, I said, I think what I'm doing is like business or career coaching. So I kind of want to make sure I'm doing it effectively in mm -hmm. the right way. Yeah. 
So I looked into coaching like executive and business coaching schools, found a really good one out in Boulder, Colorado. Okay. So I enrolled in that two-year program out there. Um, it was out there in person for a couple weeks, you know, and then online. So okay. I wasn't out there for two years, but gotcha. I'd fly back and forth. Yeah. So graduated from that in 2000. Oh, I'm sorry. I graduated in 2016. So 2014 is when I started the program. Okay. So graduated from that. And then I quickly realized I was the wrong person in the wrong seat as the human resources director of the bank that we own because our staff was already having a, a barrier in the way for being really transparent and vulnerable with me because I'm an owner, yeah. you know, like sure. I'm the wrong person in that seat. So I stepped away from that and I just dove in headfirst into, I, I started my own coaching practice and um, started supporting organizations. And that is really where my story just exploded and took off. And when I, when I started leaning into where my passion really was. Okay. Okay. So yeah. like talk me through that leap, um, yeah. walking out of, because I, I feel like to most people, I, hey, I own a bank. Right. Like that's, holy shit. All right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's cool. awesome. Do you <laughs> just like swim in money? And you're, you're, and obviously you're not like selling your stake in it or anything, but you're saying I'm, no. I'm, I'm taking my hands off the wheel <clears throat> and trusting, you know, my, my husband to, to run it. And I'm sure you guys probably talked about it and all that stuff, but yeah. You know, you're, you're putting it in his hands and saying, I'm going to go, you know, down this other path. Like <clears throat> what was the, other than kind of recognizing it was the wrong seat. I was the wrong person in that seat. Like, was there a moment that kind of like sparked this and said, I, it's, I got to go do this. Like, were you super passionate about it? Like, all yeah. of it. Like, I want to hear it all. all. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a weird twist in the story, to be honest with you, Jeff. So mm -hmm. yes, I was super passionate about it. Super passionate. I, the The tools I was learning mm -hmm. through this organization and through this coaching school in Boulder were just like freaking mind blowing. Like how, how you show up, the language you use, actually how your physical body shows up like in a meeting can yeah. change if someone's going to say yes or no to you within three seconds. You know, I was just learning all this geeky science stuff about you know, workplace performance. And I sure. started to freak out about it. You know, I'm just like, this is so cool. It's very much like sports psychology, you know, mm -hmm. and what, what your internal thoughts do, if you're thinking about, you know, in baseball, I'm sure you guys used a ton of sports psychology, whether or not you called it that, but it's your internal talk, right? It's yeah, sure. When you get up to bat, it's what you're, what are you saying to yourself? Mm -hmm. Like it's truly going to affect the way you play. Yeah. So it's the same in the workplace. A hundred percent. There's so much similarity between those two. Yeah. So I started to just freaking geek out about how cool all this stuff was because I was seeing it happen and, and it's true. So when I graduated from that program, I was out in Boulder and I flew home and I remember I love red wine. So I'm drinking some red wine right now. Nice. Uh, I poured myself a glass of red wine and I sat on the patio and I, I, I promise I looked up at the stars and I said, how am I going to use this? Like, how am I going to use all of this crazy, awesome, juicy content in my life? Cause yeah. I totally knew I wanted to make an impact on others. I just didn't know how in the hell am I going to do that? Sure. So 
four days after that question was asked, Chris and I flew out to Las Vegas. So we're huge country music fans. We nice. always love going to live concerts, Tim McGraw, you know, Luke Bryant, um, yeah. Jason Eldine, any live concert. That's our jam. Absolutely. So we'd been out to route 91 harvest festival mm-hmm. is, was a, a, like a huge country celebration out there yep. and we'd been two years before and just had a flipping, I mean, it's Las Vegas and it's right. country music all day long and sitting at the pool and it's just awesome. So we're like, let's go out and celebrate. So we did that four days after I graduated. Mm-hmm. And for those of you that do or don't know that music festival actually became the Las Vegas mass shooting, which yeah. ended up being America to, to this moment. And I yeah. hate saying this because I feel like it's just setting up, but I know. to this moment, it's America's largest mass shooting. Right. So 58 people did not go home that night. Over 800 were shot. And Chris and I were there and witnessed things that we shouldn't have. Well, I can't speak for him. So I'm always very careful when I do podcasts or talk about this, that it's only from my lens Mm -hmm. because there's 22,000 people that were in the audience that experienced this. Yeah. So there's 22,000 different stories that came out. But I think going through that event four days after I had all of these tools about how you show up, how you process, how you think through things, how you navigate change, how you navigate chaos, how I was using those tools that night to a survive Mm -hmm. to B. he and I got separated. So, I mean, I could go on this podcast and talk for three hours about what we did, what we saw, what happened, but I'll give you like the fast forward version. We sat at the pool during the day and had cocktails all day and listened to music and swam and just hung out Two other couples with us. So it was just like a bliss day, total fun. Yep. Went to the concert that night and walking to the concert, Chris and I got separated. So like we were, you're in a sea of a million people Yeah. and we had been drinking, you know, sure. and I, we own that. And yeah. he was on a mission for finding like the world's largest belt buckle. Like that's what his intention, that's what his goal was. Sure. <laughs> he was like yeah. going to all the vendors looking for a huge belt buckle because yeah. he wanted to wear a belt buckle at the concert. And so we got separated. So I was trying to reach him and he was trying to find me. And that's just a huge, you know, it's a big, big concert. Yeah. So we were frustrated. So for a moment we found each other and then he was hungry and he like, and we were both bickering kind of and frustrated, mm. you know, how married couples oh, bicker yeah. and fight and drinking. Yep. So we were frustrated with each other. So he just kind of walked off to go get something to eat or drink. And I just sat down on a table to wait in essence. Mm-hmm. And then I realized, and this was a fault of mine. It still is today, but my cell phone is never charged. Jeff. I'm one of those people <laughs> that walk around the earth with it at 2%. And it's, wow. it's yeah. such a bad thing. There's no excuse for it. <laughs> it's so dumb, but I picked up my phone to text him and say like, we've got to connect. Mm-hmm. And I looked and my battery was 2%. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh shit. Like my phone's going to die. Yeah. And we're amongst 22,000 people and it's pitch black. And Jason Aldean is almost going to hit the stage and there's no way I'm going to find him. And I'm alone. And I have no idea like how to get back to our hotel from here. You know, it was just like one of those like moments of like, Jeez. Oh my God, this yeah. is not a good situation. Sure. And so I took a picture of where I was sitting at 
And if you look at the picture now, this is in my keynote too. It's just eerie. But the picture is of, in the background, it's Mandalay Bay, the whole tower. Mm -hmm. And then there's like a um, pop-up, like hot dog vending, you know, beer stand right there called the Strip Pub. Okay. And I took a picture of that. And two minutes later, the first shot started firing from one of the windows that is in my picture. It's just dark. You can't see. So when the shot started firing, that's kind of where the whole story took that dark, evil turn. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, coming coming from Minnesota, and I kind of follow my gut more than my head and my heart. My gut right away was like, oh my gosh, that's not fireworks. People were like, no, it's fine. It's fireworks by the main stage. We're good. We're good. And I was like, that's not fireworks. That's gunshots, you guys. That's gunshots. And so it was kind of like a pause, and people are looking around trying to figure it out. But we also could hear people starting to scream. Mm-hmm. And it took a couple seconds that felt like minutes before we started to see um, blood on individuals, people hitting the ground that it was all happening really fast at the same time, kind of in slow motion. For sure. So uh, I hit the ground uh, with a whole sea of people, you know, just diving on top of each other because no one knew we at first thought there were shooters ground level shooting Mm -hmm. at us. And it wasn't until the whole event was over that we realized yeah. it was someone in the tower. Right. Um, so we were down there. It was just constant firing. There was no break. Mm-hmm. Um, so when the first break happened, there was a gentleman that was down there with us, like laying on top of us. And he's like, okay, we have to go. Like, we can't just lay here. We're just sitting ducks. We have to go. Mm-hmm. So when he said that, we all stood up and just started running. So uh, we were just like literally running for our lives Yeah. in the process of that. It was one of those things I had to actually go through PTSD therapy when Mm -hmm. I got home because growing up. And I think I've always thought of myself as in a moment of chaos. And when others are in need, I would be a helper. Like Mm -hmm. that was just in my head in that moment. I wasn't making choices. My body was just responding. And what I was doing is I was fleeing. I was running. Yep. You know, so in the process, I'm like stepping over people and stepping on people and people are hurt and, you know, crying for help. And I had to forgive myself, but it took a long time because I was in my head. All I could picture is my three kids and I'm like, yeah. I'm doing what I can to get home to them. Absolutely. <clears throat> so a lot of crazy things happened that night. Um, you know, I met some people that tackled me and held me behind a sign because I was actually trying to get back into the venue because after I ran away. Mm-hmm. I realized, oh my gosh, my husband's in there looking for me. I can guarantee it. He's not yeah. going to leave that until he finds me. So I got to go back and find him yeah. or he's going to get hurt or worse. <clears throat> so I was running back and a group of people saw me running back in and they tackled me and drugged me and they would not let me go back in. And we still stay connected. I still call her on the anniversary every year. Um, sure. I flew out to thank her a year after it happened. You know, like there's, they became good friends of ours, mm-hmm. but um yeah, it was just, it was a crazy, crazy event. We finally got reconnected. Um, we were so far away. The person that had tackled me and drugged me behind a sign to keep me safe had a phone and she was from Las Vegas. So I had lost my phone. I had lost my shoes. I'd lost everything in the madness. Yeah. So she called Chris, got a hold of him. We reconnected, you know, and when I tell this story, people are like, oh, I bet it was just beautiful. Like out of a book when you saw each other and embraced. And I'm like, oh, hell no we saw each other and we were like, we got to get the hell out of here. Like it was not any like, Oh yay, we're safe. No, it was like crazy. Yeah. So got finally got back to our hotel and just started to like 
try to wrap our heads around what just happened. Um, we had to, you know, stop along the way, wash blood off of ourselves. You know, we just, it was just bad. It was just yeah. a bad situation. But the reason I tell the story is during all of this, I made a promise during it. Like I, I legit made a promise. Like if I get out of here, mm-hmm. all of what I was just taught about all of this coaching and all of this work and all of this, like I will use this for the better. And I, I pleaded in the moment of chaos with whoever was listening from above. I'm, I am religious and I do believe there's a higher power. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of said, like, if I get out of this, I'm going to flip the script and I promise I'm going to do something to impact others in a, in a beneficial way. Mm-hmm. Now it took a long time because I had a lot of healing and work yeah. to do, but that's really where my, it was kind of like, Hey, that's for the rest of my life. going to be my passion sure. is telling my story and, and connecting with others and the way that it's unfolded now, Jeff, and then I'm going to shut up because I've been talking nonstop. The way it unfolded now is coming home. Part of the healing process, people would ask questions and they'd say, what were you thinking, you know, during all of that? And the only thing I w- was thinking and saying to myself is keep fucking going, keep mm-hmm. fucking going. And I'm sorry for your audience about swearing, but it's true. Um, that's all I was saying yeah. over and over and over in my head and out loud. Cause I, I had to keep running. And so that became my business name, KFG coaching, keep fucking going, coaching KFG, mm-hmm. uh, through my healing, it, it became a formula. So now I go to organizations and I help organizations and leadership teams navigate any kind of chaos and change within their organization mm-hmm. through the formula KFG which is now K is no, like know where you are. Like, don't fake it till you make it. No mask, like be vulnerable, be honest. Like, are you fine or are you not fine? No, mm-hmm. fine is a buffer word. So know where you're at. Focus, meaning know your goals and your intention and then go like freaking go. The military, the military loves the KFG formula because it's all about action. Mm-hmm. So it's go at the end. So that's kind of where, my story is in the current moment Yeah, is I I'm traveling the globe. Uh, I'm traveling the U S and, and further training people on the KFG formula because you have one Jeff, you have a KFG moment and mm-hmm. everyone does, you know, mm-hmm. maybe. And the thing is like when I do my speech and my keynotes and my workshops, I have everyone kind of share their KFG moments and some are like, I lost my dog. You know, that was sure. a KFG moment. I lost my job. I have a health diagnosis. I got divorced. I didn't get a promotion. I had to navigate COVID. Those are all KFG moments. So it's not a comparison of tragic tales. Yeah. It's showing people like we are so alike. It's, yeah. it's all about how to navigate effectively. Yeah. 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 Uh, it, you said so much there. <laughs> um, and I don't mean that negatively, right? Like, yeah, I don't mean that negatively. There's like a thousand things I want to touch on. <clears throat> um, and I'm going to try and figure out how to like weave this into a question for you. Right. But um, one of my buddy, you know, one of my military buddies, um, you know, we stay in touch. We've got all sorts of issues, stories, et cetera. But you know, when we were, he came back on this and he got into law enforcement after we got out and, you know, I chose the professional path and he, 
when he came on, he was like, you know, he was talking about all the stuff he went through as a law enforcement officer, right? Non-shared yeah. experience that, you know, he and I may have had. And, you know, he's like, look, because I was like, oh, my gosh, that's terrible. And he's like, look, Jeff, trauma's trauma. You know, yeah. like the sooner anybody, you know, you or anybody, any human can stop trying to, you know, compare their trauma to somebody else's. And just yes. recognize it for what it is, like that that affected you in that way. Whether it's, as you mentioned, uh, somebody somebody passing away, a dog dying, COVID, going through yeah. a mass shooting, um, getting a flat tire, yeah. like legit getting a flat tire, yeah. stranded at night <laughs> in the dark, right? And like having yeah. that fear and anxiety and having to overcome it, right? Like it's a small, it's some form of trauma in your life, and you have to kind of start to learn how to process and get through it. So. I think like ultimately like my question for you is, and I know you had this like mantra beating, you know, through your veins as you're going through this, you know, incredibly like chaotic, scary, everything, all the adjectives scenario. At what point did you kind of say, I got to unpack this and kind of start to deal with this because there's, yeah. From my, you know, military and everything, like all the stuff I've been through, there is a huge letdown. Yeah. Uh, from that, right? The, the survival instinct is, it's the greatest, one of our greatest gifts from a gut yeah. feeling, like knowing it was gunshots or yep. this is a bad scenario. I need to get out of here. Whatever you want to call it, like your survival instinct at a human level is one of our strongest straight traits. And yeah. when it kicks in, it is. A lot of people don't understand like the level that it will go yeah. to, to help you try to survive. Yeah. And then when it turns off, fuck, like there's, there's just yeah. a lot that comes to like rushing back at you. So yeah. how did you even, and, and I know you're not going to, you're not going to talk for Chris. I, and I, t- I would not expect you to, but like you had a partner that went through this with you, you know, like, was that yeah. beneficial? There's just a lot. Like, so I'll, I'll stop yeah. talking and just, how did it start for you yeah. to unpack it, that? it? It took a long time for me to start unpacking it, to be honest with you, Jeff. And I had to come to the realization that I, I was so stuck. I was so stuck in the story. I was pissed for two full years yeah. and I was a complete hypocrite because I'm having conversations on the daily with organizations about, and this process had not been developed. So KFG was not being used then, but I was still doing workplace performance coaching. Sure. So I was in my company was still called KFG coaching. Keep fucking going. I just hadn't created formula because I hadn't worked through my own stuff yet. Yeah. So the breaking point for me is I lived right outside of Rochester, Minnesota. And for those in Minnesota and maybe in the U.S., you know, that Mayo Clinic, Mother Mayo is the home base is here. Yeah. So I was shopping for groceries at Hy-Vee and I was pushing my grocery cart out to my car and Mayo one helicopter flew over doing just a daily run, which they do every day, same Mm -hmm. time every day. And eerily, the blades of that helicopter when it flew over that. Yep. Sounded exactly like the gunshots that night and talk about my flight or fight response kicking in. I hit the ground so hard because I ducked for, it was like that. It was like my response that night. I hit the ground, my grocery cart went flying and I laid there and I realized like, I am so far 
from fine. Mm-hmm. Like I've got to figure this out now because this is absolutely destroying me. Yeah. And I'd been thinking it for so long. Right. So I, that's when I reached out to get some PTSD somatic help. Um, I started going to therapy. So you'd think like, Oh, everything's going to get better. No, it had to get worse. I had to get really dark. Yeah. What the darkness was me binge drinking uh, listening to a ton of country music and just lit, like sobbing on the patio and, and getting as numb as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. It was Chris and I uh, getting as far apart in our marriage that we possibly could, where I did not think we were going to find our way back. Like we, we, I was so angry at him for not healing the same way as me because he wasn't doing therapy. He was working out and he was getting the support in the way that it supported him. Yeah. But I was looking at him and I was judging him and I was so angry at him because he wasn't doing it my way. Sure. And it, it literally was a moment that I was like, if I want, if I want this marriage to work and if I want to be the mom for my kids that I want to be, I have to understand that I can only control me. Like mm-hmm. I can't control him and his response. I can only control the way I'm responding to this event because I was looking at the outcome I was in and yeah. I was pissed off and angry and, and really upset and self-sabotaging a hundred percent. But I was going all the way back and blaming the event. I was like that damn shooting in Las Vegas, you know, I'm blaming yeah. that and blaming that. And I was skipping the whole ownership part of it's how I'm responding to the event. It's mm-hmm. not the event. It's how I'm choosing to respond to it. So that is where the deep self, I became like my own science experiment. I I literally became like, okay, what do I need to do? I had to start doing my own self care. And when I started to really take care of myself, that's when I could show up different for Chris. Mm -hmm. That's when I started to become like, who I wanted to be instead of like being so angry because I wanted to control everything and I was so out of control. Yeah. So it was, it was, I I mean, I had to become my own science experiment and it it was hard. It was hard because it's easier to help others than help yourself. Right. And I, I've I've had, unfortunately, like I've talked a lot with people on this, like about loss and, how they cope and how they got through. And, you know, I've always thought that to be an interesting dynamic when, when two people go through something, especially people that are bonded, right? Like Mm -hmm. how important it is to understand everybody's on their own path. And I, I mean, like it, if you like, it's super easy. Cause I mean, when you start spiraling, yeah. The spiral is it it's it's really hard to control and it, when you're doing that like you're going through it and it's just you're reaching out to blame, right? And yes. it's you know, fuck that, you know, fuck that scenario, <laughs> fuck you for not like being having a bad day when I'm having a bad day, you know, and there's like resentment that can build up and all these Oh my gosh. All yes. these feelings, right? So to to recognize the, cause it's hard to like, it's, I mean, you know, like when you're spiraling, it's hard to get out of a spiral. <laughs> yes. um, I would get so angry at him if yeah. he slept good. I'd be like, you slept good. I didn't sleep at all. Like I am, I'm mad at the way that you're breathing today. Yes. Like I would just be out of control, um, out of control. So, yeah. so when you, when you recognize that, sorry, my dog just 
knocked into me. Um, when you recognize that and like you, you kind of tried to start to pull yourself out of it, like what was, what were kind of some of those first steps for you to uh, yeah, getting for, back on your track or where you wanted to get to? important support systems through this whole process yeah. was I was already connected to an uh, executive coach. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've been a big believer in help me identify the gaps, make me better. Like I want to keep growing. Like I, I just want to get better every single day. I'm not looking for perfection. I'm looking for improvement on the daily. Yep. So I was already connected to a coach and he's military. He's got military background, which doesn't work for everyone. For me, it does because I don't want people to sugarcoat things. And I want him to call me out when I'm full of shit. Mm-hmm. So he was a huge piece of this in navigating. And I was talking to him one day and I was kind of complaining and, and kind of bitching about like, well, Chris isn't doing therapy and he's not owning his take and he's not healing in this way. He's not doing whatever. And he's like, stop, stop for a second. What gives you the right to decide how someone else heals or lives their life? Mm-hmm. And that, that right there was just like a kick in the throat where I was like, yeah, I, I can't. And he was like, that's his life. And however he lives it, it's none of your business. And he's like, you are doing that as an avoidance to figure out yourself. And, and you're, you're really mad at yourself, not him. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like that tough love of like, you're getting in your own way and it's through the choices that you're making, but you're sabotaging your relationship because you're blaming him. Sure. And, and it was just like, Phoosh. so I think I'm, I'm a big advocate that when people are navigating these kind of things to surround yourself with someone that can call out your BS in a loving way, mm-hmm. you know, not be like, Oh, pull yourself up. Oh, the glass is half full. Oh, that not that way, but like identifying when you're making a choice of, and I don't like using this word. I will with you because I know there is a lot of victims, but I was stuck in the victim mindset yeah. and I was no longer, I was no longer a victim, you know, in the moment I was, But then after that moment was done, I was choosing to be a victim. And the reality is by, by choosing that I'm letting the person that did this win, he -hmm. set out to destroy as many lives as possible. So if I didn't own my shit and figure it out, he still won. And so I'm like, no, like I got to figure this out. Mm -hmm. He's not going to win. Not, not, not in my book. Yeah. That's (laughs) That's good. Like, so do you, cause I know that like, that's not going to work for everybody. Right. And, and you're a coach, right? So, I mean, we'll get into that. Right. But there's, there's different approaches for different people. Right. Did it, did it take you a second to find that or had you already been like working with that human? No, Um, I'd already been working with it, but I had already been working with him. So he was a big piece for me. Um, yeah. I'm a big, I'm a big believer in reaching out for help. I really am yeah. help asking for help sure. is one of the most courageous things and brave things that people can do. Um, but I, I also think that there comes a point and I, right now, I don't want this to come off wrong, but there's a lot of individuals that navigate this world that have a lack of accountability for sure. And, and we are all, a hundred percent accountable for how we show up, how our lives unfold. It may not be fair, Jeff. And don't get me wrong. You know, sometimes I get pushback. Like I'm not a hundred percent accountable. I didn't ask for a diagnosis of cancer to lose a child or to, I a hundred percent agree. Of course not. And it's not fair, 
But 100% accountability means that you're making the choice that you are going to choose the steps to get through it mm-hmm. in a way that supports you because you still have a shot because you still have right. the choice, right. right? So we we have to kind of almost transition from that prehistoric fight or flight mode into I, I get to choose how I respond right now. Yeah. Like I get to choose how to show up and my choices at the time <laughs> And to be honest, I wasn't ready to be accountable. I was having a really fun time in my pity party. Really. <laughs> it sure. felt good to like sabotage and drink myself numb and listen to country music. Cause I wasn't ready to move into that. I, I want something different. I had to actually go to that dark, dark place yeah. before I was like, that this is enough. Right. This is enough. Right. There's something better than this. Yeah. And that accountability and that choosing, right. That doesn't mean like you're instantly okay. Right. It's just, oh you're choosing it's to a take, long road. yeah, you're choosing to take the first steps to, right. Just in, in a yeah. very, uh, not nearly as serious, right. Like yeah. you're going to get on a diet, right. You're choosing, Hey, I'm going to make yeah. a conscious effort to eat healthier. doesn't mean you lose 40 pounds in a day, right. It's, right. it's a long mm-hmm. process to get there or to gain muscle or, or whatever yeah. that may be. And, and you're going to have setbacks, yeah. You know, and, but the, the choice is to continue to move in that direction and keep working on it or in your yeah. case, keep fucking going. Absolutely. <laughs> and in another big piece of it, freaking forgive yourself. Yeah, It's not going to be perfect. Like no. you have no idea how I would feel like, Oh wow. I'm making progress in the right direction. I'm doing so good. And I would go 25 steps backwards after five forwards. And then I would just sit in my pity party. I call it my itty bitty shitty committee that was up in my head. (laughs) I would just sit there and like wallow in that. And I had to learn real quick to like forgive myself so that I could like learn from that, Mm -hmm. but then also move on because when I, when I would beat myself up, it would just take me that much longer. I'd be like, okay, Krista, fine. Forget it's, it's over. Forgive yourself. That was stupid. Okay. Learn from it. Okay. What'd you learn? Move on. Let's go. Let's go. You know, it's kind of like my last step of go. Don't get stuck in that (laughs) little pity party section because it's easy, Mm -hmm. but then you just keep self-sabotaging, you know? So it's like, forgive yourself really quick because you're not perfect and it's okay. Right. Right. Um, how long did it take for you to kind of, uh, I mean, you always owned the story, but, uh, own the story in this realm, right. And kind of like make uh, it part of what you're doing now. How long did that take? Oh man. And that's, that's a weird twist in the story too, is I was talking to a friend and she's a leader of this big organization she said, Krista, we're looking for a keynote for our company get together. Would you be interested in sharing your story? At the time, Jeff, my process was called the IRS formula. So how to identify, respond, and then share your story. Sure. So there was IRS. And then as I was navigating, I'm like, IRS, no one likes the IRS. Like that's nope. just has a bad and then as I was thinking about it, I'm like, why is it not the KFG method? Like, how do I create a KFG? That's my coaching business. And the whole process, the whole formula and action step of life is just keep fucking going. Mm -hmm. Like, just go, you guys, like, this is our one life. Let's go. So that's kind of how that transitioned. But I agreed to it with really not knowing what I was agreeing to. And I had no preparation. 
And I got up on stage and I had no idea that it was going to be in front of 500 people. So I had, it never dawned on me what that meant. Yeah. So I got up there and I shared the, my message and my story and I shook, like it was the first time sharing it. I shook my way through it and voice quiver and a little bit of tears. Um, and then the feedback after it was done, I had individuals lined up to share their story and say, thank you. I felt like even though you were talking about a mass shooting, I felt like you were talking about me navigating my divorce. I thought you were mm-hmm. talking about me losing my dad. I thought it was like you were telling my story. So I real I started to realize the impact and power of your vulnerability, your courage, and just sharing how imperfect we are. Yeah. Because I shared everything. I shared all my fuck ups, you know, and everything yeah. that you know, everything. So I started to see like, huh, that's interesting. So the more I talk about it and the more I share, the more stories come back of, thank you. It was, it was like an aha moment. It was the first time I felt like someone actually understood what I'm navigating and I've never told anyone. Yeah. So there's just such a power in sharing story. And, and connecting ourselves together because like, I kind of kicked this call off. We are so much more alike than we are different. Right. We navigate these things all differently, but we're all on this roller coaster of ups and downs and, and we're constantly working. We're, we're KFG and for the rest of our lives, you know, and I wish I could say, Whoo, that was 2017. That's done. It's over. I've had other KFG moments since then, you know, you sure. think, okay, so that one's going to prepare me. So I'm stronger, you know, for the next one. Like I come to the realization that life doesn't get easier, but we can get better. Sure. That's a really, so, I like how you say that. that that's a, <laughs> that's a nice uh, way to put that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, and I'm, I'll, I'll move on from that, that side of the, the story. But so when you went from, you know, the banking world into this, mm-hmm. what did you do to kind of prepare yourself to kind of like, to step on stage in front of a crowd? Because that's a huge leap from, you know, private one-on-one conversations, coaching people, um, yeah. you know, where do you want to go in your career to, I'm going to command a crowd, right. And, yeah. and motivate, you know, salespeople or whatever organization it is. What got you there? How'd you get to that? You know, by just having fun, to be yeah. honest, my, my two core values that I live through are connection and joy. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about hard shit and still be connected and I, I can be full of joy. Yeah. So whenever I get in front of an audience and don't get me wrong, it's not always easy. I still get nervous every single time right before when they're introducing me before I get up on stage. I feel the butterflies. I feel anxious. I feel nervous. And then I realize I'm freaking excited. Like yeah. I can fall on my face. If I plaster down, fall on my face, hit the floor, pass out, whatever could happen. Oh, well, I'm human. I'm real. Like I can get through it. Yeah. It's not going to kill me, you know, so I can kind of talk myself through it and be like, this is actually the moment that you 
intended to make a difference and it's happening. So I live through that gratitude Mm -hmm. and I just show up and I always start my talks off by like, can we have some freaking fun? And that just opens everyone up to be like, okay, this is going to be a little bit of a different experience. And I get people up and moving. They don't sit and hear me talk. I talk with them, not at them. Mm -hmm. So I get them moving and I love the energy in the room and I bring a lot of comedy and laughter to it. I just, I bring my true authentic self with no apology Yeah, and it may not be everybody's cup of tea. And I'm a okay with that because I had to come to the realization. I'm like a recovering people pleaser. (laughs) I'm not going to, I'm not going to be everyone's person and I'm okay with that. Yeah, Like that's exhausting. (laughs) It is. But I I also feel like that's very, that that's a lot of human nature, right? Is to to try to be liked by everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and there it's incredibly freeing to kind of realize well, I, that's impossible. You know, there's yeah. no way I'm going to get 8 billion people to like me. So why am I trying? Right? Exactly. It doesn't mean be an asshole. Right. But no, it, no, it, you know, not, yeah, not, maybe not everybody likes my sense of humor. Oh, well. Oh, well. And yeah. you know what that means? It has nothing to do with you. It right. only has to do with them. Right. Like, Okay. <clears throat> Correct. <laughs> doesn't mean that you're a shit human being. It just means like you're yeah. not for them. And congratulations, because the more people we're not for, the more we find our squad. Yes, like, better, oh, yes. I'm for these people. Okay, sweet. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The, 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 the quicker you can refine your circle in your yes. life, like the better off you're going to be, the happier you're going to be. All that. A hundred percent. I preach that on the daily. My wife thinks I'm a dick sometimes because I like closed off to new relationships and i'm like well i know who my people are yeah you know i mean i'm not like i I don't try to be a jerk to people but at the same time i don't put a ton of effort outside of the things that truly matter to me and it just takes time you know for somebody to break through for me yeah you know and that's that's okay because time is precious it really is it's a precious asset that we have it's irreplaceable and i'm like you I spend time with those that are on the same journey as me, want to make the same kind of impact mm-hmm. or that like build me up and make me like spark energy in me. Like sure. that, that's what I want. If someone is like, what, what I don't have time or space for is people that sit and complain about their jobs. Cause I'm like, you have a million opportunities in your life. Go out and find them and mm-hmm. don't give up. Don't mm-hmm. give up until you feel fulfillment. Like, yeah. That if you're complaining about your job, it's a choice to stay there and you're choosing to not be fulfilled. Like I'm a big advocate of like, go and find your happiness and joy and don't give up. I know it's hard. It's not supposed to be easy. (laughs) You know, it's not supposed to be handed to you. Everyone wants a participation trophy, but you got to work for it. Right. Right. And, and the, if it wasn't hard, and if it, it wasn't rewarding, yeah, it wouldn't be rewarding in the no. long run. You you would find no fulfillment in that. You'd be no. just as dissatisfied with doing something easily. Yeah, as yeah. you are currently. So. And it's part of the legacy build too. I'm I'm a big you know I've got the three kiddos and I just want to build something that they can be proud <laughs> of. Mm-hmm. Like you know like I want to do and I want to help them navigate. Cause sure. life can be freaking hard. Let, I don't like the parents that sugarcoat everything and try to solve everything because what I want to do as a parent 
is let my kids go through the mud and get dirty and hurt and bruised. And I want to help them understand that they've got everything within them. Like I can stand there on the sidelines, but I'm not going to come and wipe them off. I'm not going to, I can be there as a support person, but they got everything they need to get up, dust themselves off and keep moving. Mm -hmm. But parents, because we're so full of love and protection, we want to do everything. You know, we just want to solve all the world's problems for our kids, but that really sabotages them. And that's a lot of the conversations I'm having in the workplace right now are employees that they don't know how to survive. They don't know how to do this on their own because they've had everything taken care of. And now they're feeling like, sure. you know, I'm drowning. Interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. We got a lot of work to do, Jeff. You got a lot of podcasts to get out there to the world. We got a lot of work to do. (laughs) I know. Do you find uh, the people that feel like that feel like that are are generally younger? Oh yeah, yeah. Now they're it's usually their first or maybe second jobs out of college, and they're freaking brilliant. They're high achievers but they have really high expectations of what they deserve in the world because they have been drilled into their head from a very young age until now that reach for the stars, the sky is the limit, don't settle for less than the very best. And then they get into the real world and they're like, I want to make six figures for my first job. I want to be part of the C-suite. I want to, you know, they have all of these dreams because that is, They've been told, don't you ever settle for the very right. best of the best. But there is a lot of missing gold of the build. Like, you, you, you can't be placed on top of the mountain. You got to build your way because those are the tools that yeah. you need to keep going. 100%. You know, so it's, it's hard to break that down. And it gives them a ton of anxiety, depression, you know, a ton of hopelessness. It's, it's a slippery slope that we're in right now for sure. That sucks. I mean, good. it's good for you and, like, your job security, right, in that you can kind of, like, motivate people, but that does And it's suck. not, please, don't get me wrong, and don't, there, there's a very, very false negative, like, um, kind of feel for the younger generation, right? For that sure. They're, you know, I hear so many people say, oh, they're all so lazy, they're all this or that. They are the most brilliant, intelligent, and have the most gifts to offer, if we just support them, like, honestly, they're my gosh, like some of the 22 year olds that I'm coaching that are just absolutely killing it. And I'm like, Holy, the gifts that you have to offer this world are so amazing. But there's a lot of stigma on like, you know, we kind of pigeonhole them into this is your age and you're lazy and you're so socially connected and everything's digital. It's just, that's the reality. That's how they are wired. We can use that. For the benefit sure. of sure. all, you know, it's just, there's, so don't get me wrong. There's not hopelessness. There's no. a ton of hope. No, it's just a slippery slope of how to parent effectively. And oh, we'll never God. have that answer, Jeff. We're going to learn through all the, all yeah, the errors I was, that I we was, do. <laughs> I was going to say like, are we going to do this again? Cause it sounds like, you know, how to parent and, uh, I'm, oh, no. I'm still oh, trying to figure oh. this shit out. So <laughs> No, no, I'm a work in progress yeah. and I'm doing a shit job, but I'm yeah. learning through it. <laughs> yeah, we all just were, I steal from everybody. I'm, you know, what, what was that like? What was this like? Right. And how, how can I yeah. like implement that for mine? Cause some days I feel like I know what I'm doing. And then some days it's like, fuck, oh, this yeah. came out of nowhere. 
you know, um, and it hits you like a ton of bricks, but you got, you said you have a 17 year old. Yeah. So you almost have one out of the house. Yes. He's in the process of navigating and applying at colleges and having fun with that. And Chris and I are living the dream of visiting different campuses and watching his, you know, like excitement and questions and helping him find his way. And I have no idea. He's very interested in STEM. So I know like Michigan Tech, uh, U of M Duluth, a lot of the, you know, School of Mines out in Rapid City or Colorado. Um, They're all attractive to him for the STEM focus. So I don't know. We'll have to see, but but it's fun. But how does that make mom feel, right? Like, Oh, boy. I tear up every time I think about it. So thanks for that. No, it's just, I can't believe, A, how fast time goes, like, Mm -hmm. for real. And he's, like, 6'3". He's huge. He's just this tall man with longer hair and a beard. And I'm like, how are you my son? It's just amazing. It's just, yeah, he's just an amazing human being. So it's so fun watching him explore but it's also like humbling and I can't believe he's in that, in this journey because I feel like you and I weren't, I mean, it hasn't been that long, has it? It doesn't feel like it doesn't. I remember this so vividly. Like I can't believe my son is in the same spot. Cause I feel like this was just like two years ago for me. I know. But yeah, such is life. It's scary, man. That's it nuts. is. What's the ages of yours? Uh, so my son will be 10 in a couple okay. months and then my daughter just turned eight. Oh yeah. So we're, yeah, you've got so many fun things coming up though. Yeah. We're in like the golden age, right. Where they yeah. love us, you know, unconditionally yeah. now they like to be around us, but there's, they're independent enough where we don't, yeah. we don't have to hold their hand all the time. Right. So mom and dad can yeah. sit on the porch and have a cocktail yeah. or two and watch the kids run around the neighborhood and, relax and you know it's a really it's a really sweet place um we know it's probably only going to last a couple more years so we're trying to soak that in and you know what let me give you a peace of mind i was always thinking that too and Mm -hmm. honestly every single age of my kids is my favorite one like even the ages they are right now i'm like okay this is my favorite age yeah like it just keeps getting better yeah so don't ever be fearful that this is Good. like the best of the best. Like it, it does. Like, I think, I think if you have a strong family structure yeah. and you just, you know, Chris and I's two words are love and support, love and support, love and support. Even when it's hard, mm-hmm. those two words, we just kind of drill in our mind, love and support, love and support, love and support. You don't have to agree, but you have to love and support. Right. And right. I, I truly believe like every single year is my favorite year. Now you can ask me next year when he's out of the house and I might be like, no, this year sucks. I want him back. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a good mindset to have, right? Cause you just hear like they turn into like shitty teenagers, but if you, Mm-mm. if you're doing, I don't want to say if you're doing it right, but if I feel like if you build that, you know, Hey, Sunday night, we have dinner together. Right. And you build these like routines and these experiences that they cherish. They're going to stick around for them. They're not going to be, you know, um, the angsty, you know, thing. And I think when, and I think when people set them up for like failure by saying like, Oh, it's the teen years, shitty years, whatever that right there is already making the choice of like determining that sure. even if they make mistakes, they're being shitty people. Like 
guess what? It's it. There's such value in forgiving yourself really fast, but there is even more value in forgiving others faster. Mm -hmm. Like just forgive, 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 learn from it, move on. You know, it's hard when our kids make errors and they do, but believe me, you, you know, Chris and I, we sure did. Oh, for (laughs) sure. Absolutely. But thank goodness we had a supportive family that forgave fast, yeah. supported, loved us through it, never gave up. KFG, keep freaking going. I love it. <laughs> it's life. I love it. I love it. Um, you got anything you want to tout? I mean, you have a book. Oh, I didn't even touch oh, yeah. on that. You wrote a so book. I wrote a book. <laughs> so it was supposed to be out. I need to change it on my website. Here's full transparency. It was supposed to be out the spring of 23. So this year, I've got all these speaking gigs that I'm doing that I'm supposed to be speaking around the formula. My book is called Keep Fucking Going. Mm-hmm. And it's the formula. It breaks it down step by step of how to KFG any yes. kind of change in your life. Um, so another KFG moment was that my publisher that I was working through for a year and a half to get this out went under went bankrupt while I was supposed to be releasing it. So it's been delayed. I finally signed on last Friday with a new publisher. So now it's coming out January, I believe is our drop date. So it's coming and it will be, I'm I'm really excited to get it out there just to support others. And I never wanted to be an author, to be honest with you. I hated the process. I hate writing. I don't, I don't, I, I do not. I do not like it. Never wanted to do it. I'm a speaker. I'm a communicator. I'm not a writer. So I can't wait to get it out there just because whenever I talk, people say, I want to bring this back to my husband or my daughter or my team or my organization. So finally I can say, here's something that you can bring back. But honestly, I, I never want to write another book. It's not my thing. (laughs) What, what do you find, um, more, like soul bearing writing or uh, speaking. What do you mean, like soul bearing? Well, just like, like very exposing, right? Like, because I I find them both um, to be very honest, right? And it's really hard yeah. to hide what you're saying. And I think the written word is very difficult to to kind of like get bullshit through because it's all in the re like in my eyes how i'm interpreting what you're saying yeah and it's almost the words that are not being written yeah it's not being said yeah versus like you know when you're on stage and you're hopping around you're joking you're laughing like i can get some context from that i'm just curious like was one eh, like you're a little bit more anxious about initially for sure writing for sure writing and that's because for for me i feel Mm. like i can communicate and get my point across so much better verbally Mm-hmm. because I can use my hands and my facial expressions and, and my language and my tone and whatever. And it's just something that I'm so anchored and comfortable with yeah. is speaking. Right. Um, I, I could get in front of us, you know, 5,000 people and not have a hiccup and just tell my story and like, be like, okay, there frick. If it resonated with two people, good, if not, whatever. But the written word is not comfortable for me. So yeah. even after I did it and I reread it, I'm like, oh, it doesn't even sound right. Like, should I switch that or should I change the way I said that? Like, I second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth guess everything <laughs> to the point yeah. where I'm like, fuck it, I'm done. I'm not going to write this book. I'm right. just going to, you know, whatever. <laughs> so, so I just need to get it out there so I can stop reading the manuscript and just be done with For it. Sure. Because it's just me critiquing my words over and over and over, trying to make them more elegant. And that's yes. probably me trying to people please again, you know, and trying to like, how do I get across 
in the right words to all my audience members right. where it's just like, just stay authentic and stay you. And there. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, like lawyers, right? Like every time they see a document, yeah, they could already review it. They're going to make more changes to it. Right. And it's, it, you're the same way on your own shit. It's every time I see something I write, I'm like, ugh, that's terrible. You know, and I start yeah, like, let's do it again. It. Yeah. Yes. Oh, it's fucking awful. Um, yeah, and right. always go with the first. Always go with the first. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You should. Right. Um, yep. So, book comes out in January. January, hopefully early 2024. Let's just say that. Okay. <laughs> early 2024. Perfect. Yep. And the website is. KristaRyan.com. Keep it simple. All right. And people can follow. Not keep it simple at the end. Just KristaRyan.com. <laughs> people can follow you on your socials. I yeah, assume. they can. So Coach Krista Ryan okay. is my Instagram. And then LinkedIn is, I think, just Krista Ryan. Love so it. Love it. You'll, you'll find me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I won't. I, I've, got, I've taken an hour and 15 minutes of your time. Krista. It I, has been such a pleasure and honor. I'm so grateful that you reached out and that I, I just really, I truly appreciate the space with you, Jeff. Honestly, course, this has yeah. been so much fun. This is awesome. It's awesome. Um, yeah. I, and I, I want, I'll want to do this again. Right. And like follow up, like see how things are going. Like after the book's out, like I want to read it, all that stuff. Um, and have more questions about all that, but I, I appreciate the time, Krista. It was an awesome conversation. Thank you for sharing right? Your Absolutely. story, like that's, that's an incredibly powerful message. And I know that will resonate with some people for sure. Awesome. 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 Well, Wait. keep freaking going, Jeff. Thank KFG, you. You too. Do all good things. And thanks for having me. Absolutely. Tell Chris, hello. Uh, tell I him I said hi. And uh, yeah, we'll talk soon. Thank you, Krista. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you everybody so much for listening to this episode and really any of the episodes of only the important stuff means the absolute world to me that you guys listen to this and are coming along on the journey with me again next week probably not going to have an episode sorry about that just got some life happening that takes a little bit of priority for me at the time so everybody i hope you have a great week i look forward to catching up with y'all in two weeks be good and we'll talk soon